0: Okay, so you really want to know, huh? Fine. I'm going to start by telling you this. And this is important, so listen up. Your entire life, this one and many others, you've been a god who uses its absolute power to make yourself powerless. Entire cultures, especially this one, have all been afraid of their weaknesses Supposedly, when in reality, they've all been afraid of their power. This goes beyond the matrix of reality. This is something much deeper than that. This is eternal. This is fully realizing your consciousness. This is infinite. This is evolution. This is our divine right. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Uh, of today, I have the pleasure of speaking with the chief technical officer of a very cool new company called Content Safe, Mr. Matthew Raymer. Mr. Raymer, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me. I really do appreciate it. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Owen.
0: Awesome. How are awesome. you? I'm very well. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, we've Gotten to know each other via the Autonomy Group, which has been an incredible experience for me, and uh, it's been really cool to get to know you, so I, I really do appreciate you taking the time to, to chat a little bit today.
1: Yeah, likewise. I've enjoyed talking with you and interacting with you and think you're doing some really good work. Well, thank you very much. I
0: appreciate that. Will you uh, tell us a little bit about Content ContentSafe, uh, what it is, and, uh, and its mission?
1: Well, technically speaking, ContentSafe is a redistribution service. We take videos that were published on one platform, for instance, say YouTube, and we redistribute them to a multitude of other platforms, um, BitChute, Brideon, Library, Odyssey, Rumble, uh, and the list keeps growing. Uh, float. I should really point out float because floats are really great service. I, I think they're right up there with bit shoot in terms of what we should be promoting in the community for uh, censorship, censorship resistant uh, media platforms. Very cool.
0: Yeah, um, I, I know there's a lot of people who uh, have had some frustrations and struggles with some of the major (laughs) platforms, the big tech platforms, uh, specifically YouTube owned uh, by Google, which is owned by Alphabet, which is basically a a monopoly, basically, at this point. Um, And I think what you guys are doing at Content Safe is uh, really, really needed from a content creator's perspective, um, something that's going to help a lot of people uh, as well, because, you know, as a content creator, we don't always have time to sit around uploading videos. Some people have teams for that. And that's cool. But I mean, I imagine their team might be better suited for other purposes, like potentially cutting up clips or, uh, you know, uh, doing other things like that.
1: Right. I, I would say that the this redistribution stuff isn't something I would want my media team or my videography team doing because it's just redundant work. You talk to people who support content creators, and they find this an extraordinarily frustrating time drain. Uh, services like BitChute might have issues that you start and upload, and then you come back later and you find out you have to delete it and re-upload it. We take care of all that automatically. Uh, There's other questions that we're going to be addressing as we get more people on board, and that is, how do you manage and monitor how you're being viewed on these other platforms? You're going to be looking at six, eight, 10, 12 platforms. Wouldn't it be nice to aggregate that all into a single interface that you could watch how you're doing on the different platforms?
0: Wow, yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, you could be like, oh, well, I've got a huge audience over here on Rockfin or... Um, you know, on Bridian, or, you know, people really like what I'm putting out on this specific platform. And then those platforms could potentially evolve to be more niche, you know, like, oh, there's a bunch of spiritual people on this platform, for
1: instance. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's and, really and, neat.
0: I'm sorry.
1: And we've got often the horizon here, you know, we've got things like aggregating metadata about our content creators, providing search services to their audiences. I know Rockfin does something really cool where they give you the emails of your subscribers. What we're planning to do is provide a platform neutral subscriber management system so that subscribers can come in and get notifications for all your different platforms and they're gonna sign away their email address so that now you can send them emails. Uh, th- that's another thing that's in the near term we're planning to do. Wow.
0: No, I, I think that's a great idea. You know, it's, it's so funny. I have a friend of mine who's like a marketing uh, whiz and she's amazing. And she's been telling me for years, get people's email addresses, get people's email addresses. And, you know, I really wish I would have listened a little bit more closely to her advice because I didn't realize how valuable it actually is to have uh, those email addresses and people who, who you know, wanna hear from you and, ha- and have a way to, to, to directly contact them. I, I've been getting emails from people. I, uh, so I, I just started kind of you know, uh, with my first email list, just actually sent something out. I gave away a free ebook and I had people sending me emails saying, hey, where have you been? I haven't seen you. And I'm like, dude, I've been making content like every week. You know, there, there, there were gaps, there were gaps uh, where, you know, I was uh, touring or on a cruise ship or something and I wasn't making Mm -hmm. content. But like, since then, you know, especially since uh, the pandemic, I've been making content consistently and I guess I've just lost um, contact with people somehow or another.
1: Well, I look at people, I, I follow a lot of content creators in a lot of different spaces and this is just for my own personal consumption, not not just what we try to monitor for the company. But uh, you know, for me, I notice people that I love their content. They're very consistent. But for some reason, YouTube sort of moves them off of my notification list. And I don't appreciate that because I do consume a lot of content. It would be nice to see... Uh, like, for instance, I like this travel blogger. Uh, he does hiking. His name's Craig Adams. Fantastic video work, really good drone videos as well as on the ground. Uh, I just uh, on a whim last night or over the weekend, I think it was, I was like, well, you know, I don't recall the last time I saw a video from Craig. Let's go check and on it. The guy hasn't been producing something every week for since the last time I watched him. Well, why didn't I get a notification about that? I would have watched it because mm-hmm. I love his stuff. YouTube decides on what you love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I
0: mean, you know, at, at first it was like, oh, the algorithm's great. It, it serves me stuff up that that I want to see. But I think at this point, they're really uh, it can be manipulated in a way that could be very dangerous potentially. And you know, like I think right now, things are getting pumped up for specifically mainstream media. I see a lot of mainstream media in my, per, in my personal YouTube feed, which I don't ever watch any of that. If I want news, I don't really go to CBS or NBC. Or uh, I that. block all that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're probably a little, a, a lot more technically savvy than I am. And that's something I, that. I,
1: I can show you how to do. It. It's built into YouTube. You can <laughs> okay. block all those channels. I don't, if i see a mainstream news channel i immediately go block it i don't want to see any of it i don't care about it and uh i was going to say what we need is algorithmic transparency one idea i've had is to take this metadata from our creators and use it to help match up subscribers to other creators and at the same time be transparent about how the algorithm works what are we targeting here what if for an advanced user you could go through a list of algorithms and you could say this i want to try this algorithm and see what it uh, what it shows me that would be powerful and i think you could even make it simple draft the co- draft the copy so that it's very clear what is this algorithm looking for and what should it be delivering back to you? Hmm. Maybe you have five of them or, or ten of them and then you could just go, man, there's a whole service there, you know. It doesn't you don't even have to be a media platform. You just index other people's media.
0: That's brilliant. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And you know, I'm 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 not that technologically savvy. So um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about algorithms and how they work, if if that's okay. If you sure. don't mind talking a little bit about that, because it's not sure. something that I, I know. I hear oh the algorithm, oh
1: the I look what I found via the algorithm. But I don't really know what that means. If I'm being honest, there's a lot of ways to approach algorithms for selections, but basically uh, it comes down to Titles, transcripts, right? And it probably in more advanced algorithms comes down to looking at the audience that views those videos and looking at, well, you say people who watch this also watch this, right? Right. These things get tied together into a bundle that you could pass it a video with that information and it would spit back Okay, this 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 user over here would be interest might be interested in this. And I mean, at a high level, that's basically all it is.
0: Okay, okay, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the
1: transcript part is
0: something that, and they, you know, I've noticed doing some like comedy stuff recently. Like I did a video, um, and I used a cover version of the Rocky theme song because I was like, well, yes. I'll use a cover version it won't get flagged by the algorithm uh that way i can put it out well it still came back as a copyright it was
1: still i remember that sketch yeah and i remember wondering like oh i wonder how he got that but i did notice the difference of the cover that it, it was similar but not exactly the same
0: yeah and they did they did find that i mean they still allowed me to put the put it out, but it comes back as a, as a copyright thing from the the record company or distribution company of the original song. Now as a cover song, I don't really know how they could do that because, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I'm certainly not an expert in that either, but I heard Brett Vinat actually talking about like he was using covers as a sound bed. Uh, that he would find on youtube like there was a cover version of the song that he wanted so he was using like thunderstruck by acdc as a sound bed in one of his videos very subtly underneath and that was a way that he could put it out without getting the copyright well those bots now at this point they they are finding those uh and my friend terry had to deal with that as well with a billy joel uh parody and see that's another thing too it's like if we're doing comedy, we're doing parody. They're suppo- we're supposed to be protected under parody parody law. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So if you do a parody... Parody use. Exactly, exactly. So if you see it, for instance, uh, a sketch on Saturday Night Live and they're at Target, they're allowed to be at Target because it's a parody. So <clears throat> you could make it you know, a bullseye store instead. And a lot of people still do that because it's funny but there's a like a loophole in the law for specifically for comedy for parody use for fair use and even- I heard
1: an, uh, an attorney explain it to him this way fair use he said fair use is not something you could use initially fair use is something that can only be used when you're you're taken to court okay <laughs> and and that's the first time i ever had heard someone say this like, well, then what's the use and fair use if you have to be sued first? Right. Yeah,
0: exactly. And yeah, and it seems like Google sort of has that stronghold on all of it at this point. Too. Well,
1: I, I do think that there are, you know, wh- what I think it may come down to with that is uh, DMCA has what they call a counterclaim. And it may just require content creators to sue record creators for false claims because you can do that and the damages are no, I'm not going to kill a record company but if enough content creators did it perhaps it it would make them not be so aggressive or if you had a class action lawsuit across mm-hmm. a lot of content creators and ask for you know like i don't know a billion dollar settlement for false copyright claims then that 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 might be interesting. Yeah, I think that would be really, really interesting. And but I think before we ever get to that, I, I think that uh was it section two ten, two thirty, two I've forgotten the number. I think it's section two ten, uh DM's, you know, digital millennium copyright act, uh that Trump has talked about repealing it. Hmm. And I don't know if that's gonna happen, but from what I've been following in legal discussions that's what Google wants. Google wants to get rid of those protections so that they can seal the market up. And then they can just, you know, deplatform people people with impunity because mm. they're publishers. Wow. Yeah, Damn. and that's why, that's why Content Safe is thinking, long game, we need to be helping content creators move on to distributed platforms that aren't owned by any company. Now, with all apologies to library, Uh, that's the one concern I have about library. Uh, library is a great idea and I, and we support library as far as redistributing to library, but they ultimately are an LLC and they're going to be subject to sanction and law. So I, I don't see them lasting Well, if they do last, they're going to become more like YouTube. Okay. Unfortunately. Okay. Yeah. And I would say that if anybody, I mean, of course, this is probably good news for the guys over there. But I would say if anybody's going to get bought out for a billion dollars and and then what deprecated or, uh, I say, made retired mm-hmm. uh, libraries, one of those that they'll okay. get they'll okay. get bought up and then they'll get scrapped.
0: OK, yeah. I mean, and you know, we see this a lot. We see a lot of grassroots movements or small groups that you know have a really cool idea or vision and then eventually they sort of just get you know co-opted by some other group or somebody with a lot of money you know yeah. or something like that yeah
1: no, it's so. like it's like bitcoin or whatever they're, they're, bitcoin is legit tech it's just as legit as money central banks cannot create anything any better than that and it it's not in the control of any single entity Well, that's not what these companies want. They want them to be in control of a single entity. So even though we're promoting distributed technologies, ultimately, they'll say that we can't have distributed technologies because, well, we're, we're, uh, you know.
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah. It's dangerous. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we're dangerous people. It's dangerous. Yeah, that's right. People are trying to, you know, express their, you know, most deep truths to other people, and we can't, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to see too much of that around here. Well, that's why I think what you all are doing is is really, really cool and well needed. I mean, it's uh, it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's such a convenient service. I see the value in it. I saw the value in it immediately. And I know a lot of other people are going to be really excited about it too, especially people like myself who aren't that, you know, technologically savvy and also don't have time. I do everything myself, you know, like I, I make the videos, I do the edits, I, you know, do the audio, I do all that stuff. So like when I get to upload, I'm like, oh, th- thank God, you know, and I just click that button. <laughs> 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 I, I, you know, I and I just got, you know, better internet here too. So things are uploading more quickly, which is nice, but, You know, uploading to several platforms and, you know, that's, it's kind of, it's kind of exhausting, you know, because people, you know, the the pace of the world and, Mm -hmm. you know, people expect more too. if you're even doing client work, like a lot of my friends who do music videos or, um, or or what have you, podcasts for other people, editing, um, you know, audio tracks, records, people just, they expect it to just be an immediate turnaround and everybody's trying to proliferate and put out so much content. It's almost like we're canceling each other out at times, you know? <laughs> yes, it's yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I do think that there's some sort of feedback loop we need to, to make somehow. I, I don't know how, but that's another algorithm, I suppose. If you could look at how much content you're creating, there's probably a re- a point in which the amount you create isn't worth it, you need to stop, right? Like a break-even point.
0: I'm sure, yeah, point of diminishing returns.
1: Yeah, exactly, point of diminishing returns. Like, well, I'm doing three, three little clips a day. Are people really going to consume all those?
0: Yeah. And probably not, but I know that, you know, a few years ago, and maybe I should have <clears throat> taken advantage of this. Of course I was on the road and, and busy living a life outside of my home at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know there was something called the 360 rule where you put a video out a day on YouTube. And okay. if you, you don't obviously necessarily, necessarily have to shoot the video every single day, but a lot of content creators were getting subscribers just by putting out a video every single day. And that was, you know, a couple of years ago when I remember hearing about that, that people were doing that and it was effective for them because the algorithm was rewarding them for making constant content. So they're like, yeah, you know, but again, it's like, at what point are you repeating yourself? Did you just run out of shit? You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. I I don't have anything else to say, you know, I'm Mm -hmm, I'm done. mm -hmm. You've got to like,
1: and and you're actually end up hurting yourself because your quality of your material goes down.
0: Exactly. And it's been sort of a a gold rush toward quantity, you know. I I
1: was just talking to Sam Tripoli the other day, because he's come on as a, a client. And he said he does eight shows a week. And I'm like, Wow, do you have a death wish? <laughs>
0: well, he is a comedian, so.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and and he says, no, he said, I he said, I constantly have ideas. He he said, it's like, I, I can't stop it. It just keeps coming to me. I'm like, well, okay. Okay, that's good. That's good.
0: It is. It is. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, for me and for people that I work with, uh, we look for, we look for that thing that we're compelled to do that we can't stop doing no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's a really good sort of uh, window into purpose, into our soul, soul's mission, you know, whatever, whatever cheesy phrase I'm going to use today. You know, to <laughs> about that. But I do really do believe that, you know, each and every one of us does have you know, something that we're a gift that we're meant to share with the world. So it seems like for you, um, part of what you're able to give is is this technology, uh, which is cool. I'd love to talk about you actually a little bit if you wouldn't mind and your background because the first time we talked, I was like, yeah, man, so I found this book. It was about quantum physics and it was blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, oh yeah, well, you know, I was I actually uh, went to school for physics and I'm like,
1: Yeah, yeah. I've had a pretty eclectic life. Um, (laughs) As as a kid, I I, this is funny because as a child in elementary school, they kept putting me back in math. They they said I had problems, you know, with reading and understanding. And uh, my mom went to a PTA meeting and got really up in the face of the administration of the school and said. My son is bored. That's his problem. And you need to challenge him. You don't need to put him back. And sure enough, man, that's, uh, that's what, that's what happened. I, they put me in advanced courses after that. And for a while, I'd say about six years, uh, I studied music. And, um, and I wasn't really that good at music. It was a family thing. My mom really wanted me to do it. And I enjoyed it. But uh, the thing I hated was marching band. I could not stand marching band. Concert band was fun. But jazz band was fun. But I hated feel. Couldn't keep in step. Well, toward the end of high school, I said, you know, I'm interested in the sciences. So I was deep into math and physics and chemistry. And I decided I want to get a degree in physics, but I like computers too. And I like math too. So I triple majored.
0: Whoa.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I graduated summa cum laude um, undergraduate. And I decided to go to graduate school in physics and I got my first year. and you can say it was an emotional issue. I I was very emotionally immature. I I was very academically sharp. I was very driven, but I just couldn't handle the stress of the environment. So I left physics after the first year in graduate school. And I kind of kicked around worked for my parents for a half a year or so and decided I'd get a master's in computer science. And I, got my master's in computer science, but in the process, I had met people that were starting a business in Hong Kong, and they're like, hey, man, take the summer off, and come visit us in Hong Kong, since you've never been outside of the U.S., and well, I did that. I met my future wife, (laughs) proposed to her there, and, uh, went back to the states got my um got my thesis done came back in 96 excuse me 95 i got married came back in 96 to manila and then i've been here pretty much ever since we started we, we have some fairly good connections here so we started out uh trying to do business in manila but uh that was that's really hard Doing, do, doing business in Southeast Asia, if you're not Asian is difficult. So um, we gave up on that around 2003. And then I started doing consulting for classmates back in the US and I started getting gigs, uh, pretty good gigs by 2005, and started my own company in 2007. And I've partnered with a few different groups over the years, but it's only been in the last three years that the content safe thing has been really on my mind. And it's only been this year that content safe has been aggressively marketing. But the whole concept of content safe goes back about early 2010s, 2000 right? 2012 somewhere around that whenever I started getting into the alt community. And the alt community uh, really was very helpful to me because I think that, that those last vestiges of emotional issues were starting to peel away. That was my forties. Um, I would say people like Richard Grove, Corbett, even Pasio to some extent uh, were very helpful in making me mature Um, and I started saving their materials just for my own sake because I had a sense that this censorship thing was going to be something. In fact, I have this little anecdote from graduate school in computer science. I was uh, in a lecture by, um, I think it was a database class and uh, a professor came in, this is like 1994, 95, something like that. And this guy always looked frustrated and distracted. And he looked up at the class and he said, This internet thing can't stay open. It's just not going to be possible. They're going to have to close it, they're going to have to shut it down. And I was like, No way. We can't allow that. Uh, this is 1995, right? 15, no, 20, 25 years before Content Safe, right? like, no, we can't let that. It needs to stay open. So people have been talking about shutting down the internet a long time. And Mm -hmm. this has been in my mind. And I was like, I better save some of this stuff that I think is valuable. And the more you save it, you know, terabytes and terabytes and terabytes of data, you're like, hey, man, there needs to be a better way. We need to distribute this to other people. We need to make a conscious effort to help people reach out with their viewpoints. I think a healthy a healthy society is one in which you listen across the spectrum, things you agree with, things you disagree with. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be steered by a central committee or a research group. I couldn't agree. So that, more. that's me mm. in the nutshell. That's that's a really, really cool story
0: and I really appreciate you sharing and it it show it shines a light on to you know really a, a lot of of why you kind of got involved in this and one thing that I see that's really interesting too is that your wheels are continuously turning and you're always <laughs> thinking about ways to evolve, which is really, really cool so you know, uh, like I said, I kind of put my foot in my mouth the first time we talked. I'm like, oh, yeah, I read this
1: book about a quantum physicist. <laughs> like, oh, OK, tell me more. You were so polite. <laughs> <You know? laughs>
0: and I appreciate that. <laughs>
1: well, it's like I've I've told my business partner, Daryl Becker, it's like at this point in my life, my early life, I was around super intelligent people. I never felt as intelligent as they were. And I learned not to be intimidated by them. So. I have no, I don't have to defend myself. I don't have to prove I'm intelligent. It's like, nah, I don't need to do that. I already know what I am and I can be pleasant. I can be polite and I can let people talk. I don't have to be the one who uses up all the oxygen in the room. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other part of coming to Southeast Asia is I've slowly started to, to develop a lack of fear for physical violence. I was a timid little rabbit whenever I first came here. (laughs) So uh, people here are pretty aggressive, uh, and they can be – I love them. I love them. I love living here, but they can be very aggressive, and uh, they can be blunt, even though they say we're blunt. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
0: (laughs) It's interesting, yeah. Well, I, I agree with you for sure. I mean, that, there's nothing wrong with that being blunt. Uh, like you said, you know, a healthy society would allow for dissent. A healthy society would allow for differences of opinion, um, you know, and I think that's really, uh, really important to note. It's, I don't know who's attributed the quote. I think, I think a lot of people say Aristotle, but it's the mark of an educated mind is to be able to entertain two thoughts at the same time. And, you
1: know, um, right not embrace either one exactly you know I, yeah one of my favorite quotes by the way it's one a great quote quotes. Yeah. yeah it's a great quote I you know
0: a big uh, I'm a big fan of uh, Robert Anton Wilson because he, he blew that completely out of the frame with what he calls maybe logic and he said like that's not enough that you need to be able
1: to entertain multiple ideas
0: and I agree I, yeah and i agree, with I, that agree. Too. I
1: agree I, I i keep i and i may have said this in our conversation already but i try to view things across the spectrum uh and i have conditions of true false and i'm thinking about it so one of my favorite uh things recently has been this and i, I may have mentioned this to you offline was um uh the nova hypothesis have that on my list to talk to you about so I'm oh you brought it up. That's so cool. oh cool <laughs> yeah well someone was chatting with me from autonomy because i brought it up in conversation that during the autonomy lecture and uh you want, want me to give you a thumbnail i would love that that'd be
0: fantastic
1: well it's great practice for me because it helps me kind of get it sorted out there's a lot of details that i'm i wish I had more time to dig into, but let me try to get you what I understand. Okay, It's pretty well established through astronomy and astrophysics that stars will not only nova, we talk about nova stars, right? That's whenever the star explodes. There's also a class of micro nova. And a micro nova is where for lack of a better way to say it, the star kind of burps and it gives off a blast of gamma rays and it will even expulse a shell of matter out into the system around it. Well, it doesn't completely destroy the star. It might get dimmer, but actually this is another part I'm still trying to understand that the dimming process is actually because of the collection of matter on the outer shell of the star before it micronovas and that it might actually dim and then brighten in kind of a pulsating pattern before it micronovas well they've been observing this on thousands of stars we know at, at first they thought oh it's kind of a rare one off sort of thing it's but they found that no 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 it's not the exception it's the rule that lots of stars do this well that brings you to the question does our sun do that? And there's evidence, accumulating evidence, that our star, our star, our sun, does the same thing. And this could explain all sorts of things that are observed that don't make sense. Like, you know, they talk about the dinosaurs going extinct because of an asteroid. Maybe it wasn't an asteroid. Maybe it was part of that shell that came off the sun whenever it micronovaed. And it would make sense that you would find all that iridium that they talk about being the evidence of an impactor. Now, the real edgy stuff, you want me to go into the really woo woo stuff?
0: Oh, man, that, yes, and so does my audience.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. If you really want to get the whole skinny on this, you got to go listen to a guy by the name of Douglas Vogt, V-O-V-O-I-G-H-T, I think. Okay. Uh, he's got a channel on YouTube called the Die Hold Foundation. Now, this stuff, i admit, this stuff's scary. It, it really is. Uh, the proposition that Vogt has is that we are in a cyclic sequence of micronovas. And that these micronovas occur every twelve to sixteen thousand years, and he he and another fellow by the name of Ben Davidson at Suspicious Observers they document this that they're not just you know inventing stuff off the cuff they're actually showing you evidence of what looks like a pattern that occurs every twelve to sixteen thousand years. Now. The younger dryas occurred about twelve thousand plus years ago. The younger dryas is whenever the ice sheets all melted in a very rapid period of time. Vote feels not, again, I don't know as I agree with vote on this because I, I I can't I don't have enough time to vet him, right? Sure. But Vogt's view is that the next micronova will occur in this century. Hmm.
0: Fascinating.
1: And I would suggest if you really want to get into some really bizarre stuff that actually has a lot of documentation behind it, go listen to him. He's probably got about 100 hours of content. Wow. So like,
0: yeah, solar burp, a little indigestion there is on the way for for the sun. (laughs) We might be feeling the effects. Um, That's interesting. Well, I mean, as we talk about this, you know, um, December 21st, 2021, and and I haven't uh, personally looked this up, but I got a pretty decent source on it that uh, Jupiter
1: and Saturn align on see this is a very interesting thing and this is another thing if you go listen to suspicious observers they talk about this stuff and how the planet alignments matter because of the magnetic fields of these planets right. having impacts on human consciousness right and physiology mm-hmm. and i think that's very interesting
0: I think so too, yeah. I mean in that way, the, even though we might not interpret astrology the way that it actually unfolds, there is something to those magnetic forces, those electromagnetic forces in the, in the world. Well, in don't
1: space. you think that uh, – I'm really leaning more and more toward the idea that there's a genetic memory, and maybe these genetic memories can be cued by magnetic events. And maybe we can notice – because humans are great pattern matchers. Maybe we can notice patterns on a super intellectual sort of consciousness level that fit with what astrology tries to say. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of people that talk about genetic memory uh, uh, as well as you know, just the idea that in sort of the other side or the dream world or the infinite storage of things that everything exists within that. I mean, infinity is real. So we know that. So infinity is a thing. So if infinity is a thing, then everything within infinity exists within infinity. But I mean, I, you can't encapsulate it, but, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it already is there. and And so that opens up this whole whole can of, of of worms in the genetic memory and or the the you know the quantum field um if the, if that's stored in like what they call the akashic records is another term the,
1: the holographic universe idea
0: yeah i've got that book by michael talbot actually
1: and, and you know um the vote is also an adherent to some form of that he he feels that we're part of a giant supercomputer Mm-hmm. something like that now, again you know that that's where i get into that edge where the ma- the materialist scientist in me kind of goes uh ah, no, no no no, 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 i don't want to go there but um <laughs> i'm still open to it sure
0: to it. well that's amazing yeah i think we need to be open to it because when we test for materialism and we see it and we you know idealism too it's it's they're both they're kind of both true and that's the bitch of esotericism is is that is that duality rules the day and mm-hmm. so when we look at it through one lens it appears to be that way and, and reality reflects it and it agrees with us and then when we look at it from the other perspective once again the same thing occurs so that phenomenon is just it just puzzles You're going on. back to
1: that quantum mechanics thing is it a particle or is it a wave and one of my more intelligent professors in physics was like this is all nonsense, he said, it's both, he he said, instead of saying whether it's a particle or a wave, say it's like an electron because electrons have the same particle wave behavior that we attribute to photons. Okay. So it's just part of reality, you can't have both, (laughs) you really can you can have both uh and uh i think that that's one of the weaknesses in western thought is that we tend to think of everything as either or
0: yeah i think that's a huge mindset that is it's because yeah if i walk up to somebody and i tell them an idea then based on that idea they will immediately put me into a box you know if i'm like well you know maybe we should uh think about some you know uh distributing wealth, or I don't know, as an example, they're like, Oh, well, you're a Biden person or like, uh, you know, well, maybe, you know, maybe it, everyone should have the right to gather no matter what their beliefs are. Oh, well, are you trying to say, you, you know, <laughs> like, it's it, it's almost like immediate, you know, just like right. you are lumped into, and, and I don't exist personally. And I think most people don't exist in that dualistic, like either, or, you know, very binary sort of uh, categorization of thought. And, you know, as we're talking about this, that's, that's dangerous and a mark of, of not a very healthy or or free society. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So cool. It's so neat that, you know, your own curiosity, and I think, you know, I took a beer tour a few years ago (laughs) of all things, And, uh, there's this brewery here in Athens, uh, where I live, it's called creature comforts and they've done really well. I mean, their beers like in Thor, like they it's, it's, you know, they've got a product placement in Thor now and they've blown up. But I remember when they kind of first started out, I, I, a buddy of mine came out uh, and we we were doing a, a production gig and he was from LA and I was like, well, let's go check out the brewery. And we went and we did this, um, we did this tour and one of the founders took us on the tour and he was like talking about how their um, their slogan is crave curiosity because curiosity will lead you to uh, question certain things about yourself, your life, the world around you, which will open up the path to your purpose, which for those guys was to make beer. They made this beer called Tropicalia and there was a very famous <laughs> beer from sweetwater brewery called 420 and there was a very famous uh beer from terrapin brewery here in athens called terrapin rye ale and those two brewers got together and made the tropicalia based on their experiences and they made this thing and so you know just because they loved making beer they found a really cool recipe and then it ultimately became a huge hit and they've, they've they've done several different beers that are really good but um you don't even drink beer right now, but like, but it was, it was,
1: it was touching. an acquired taste. I, I never could really get the taste for beer. I, I'm, I'm more of a rice wine guy than I am a beer guy. It suits you. That's good.
0: Yeah. yeah. But it was just interesting when I took that tour because, you know, the way he demonstrated how they had come about creating their own business. That's been wildly successful was by following their uh their pursuit their 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 curiosity and the reason why it's called creature comforts is once you found your your purpose then you know you can build you know uh like a comfortable life for yourself and enjoy those creature comforts so that was their like progression and i think it's interesting you know and it, it demonstrates for you what you've been doing is you've been a very, uh, very curious and astute person, you know, figuring out how things work and following different ideas and, you know, bringing them, bringing them together, uh, downloading them for your own sake, uh, which is cool, you know, like, hey, I know this is going to happen eventually, people are going to put the brakes on this Freedom, information, just being, being able to be freely di- distributed. So I want to at least, you know, accumulate some of this for myself. And then ultimately that leads you to doing a project like content safe, where you're like, you know what? I was interested in this. It was something I was curious about, passionate about, and now my passions led to my purpose. And here I am helping people who have messages reach their audience in a time where it's honestly been very difficult, you know, I, I've made jokes about it recently. But I mean, if I look at my YouTube numbers just on YouTube, um, which I, I'm, I'm not on a lot of other platforms, but just on YouTube, like I used to get, you know, I'd say probably like 70 to 100 subscribers. Now, I'd be in Spain for, you know, like working on a cruise ship and I could just right. check my phone and be like, all right, I got some comments because I try to comment back to everyone. If they, if they leave a comment, I comment back. And uh, it, it's, I especially love it when they troll me because I'm like, all right. But, <laughs> but, but, um, but I would get like 70 to 100 subscribers a month not doing anything because of just put exponential growth. You know, like your, your stuff's out there and there's more people, you know, joining the platform. There's more people every day, you know, sharing content and it's exponential. But I mean, like recently, especially since, I'd say about March or so, but especially since uh, the election, it's been, you know, almost nothing. My, my, my stuff is like, my watch time might be up even. And um, uh, my view rate might be up, but the amount of new subscribers has basically been throttled to, to nothing. And I, and I wonder if, because I, like I said, I've gotten a few emails saying, Hey man, where, you know, where you been? And it's like, dude.
1: There's definitely – you hear that everywhere. People are like, I didn't get any uh, notifications. YouTube changed some policies recently where if you have over a certain number of subscriptions, you don't get any notifications at all, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. I guess their assumption is that, well, nobody can really watch that many different creators. Well, that's not true. That's not true. So they're
0: doing their part to, uh, to ail you with information overload, huh?
1: Oh yeah. They're so helpful.
0: (laughs) I mean, Facebook does literally the opposite. (laughs) I mean, it's like, you know, I go on there and it's like your friends from high school's grandmother just joined Facebook, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) of course they did. (laughs) Are they voting too? (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. The AP um, says
1: that they voted for Biden. <laughs> That's, right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I am waiting for that for Facebook to tell us who to vote for it's like, site. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I feel like they kind of already do, you
0: know. Like, like, um, people in, in my world when they're like, you need to vote. They're really not saying that I need to vote they're saying that I need to vote for the person they think I should vote for because right. that's the that's the subtext you know what I mean right and it's right. funny when I'm like well that's cool I'm gonna vote for Joe Jorgensen and they're like what you're part of the problem. You just
1: told me to vote. Don't waste your vote. <laughs> yeah, don't waste your vote. I didn't waste All my right.
0: vote. I wasted my time, you know. What I mean? <laughs> but the vote itself was like, yeah, I believe in, you know, what like I loved, I liked her actually. I I couldn't um I couldn't even really stand Gary Johnson. And you know, I'm 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 for open. Yeah. I'm for open source. Stuff. I'm for people doing whatever they want. Um, for the most part, right. As long as they're not harming anybody. But yeah. um, but I, but I liked I liked her I liked her I liked her persona. I, f- I felt like she had a good, you know, ease about her and a good energy and a good head, you know. And so, also, all my neighbors can look up whether I voted or not. So I figured mm-hmm. I'd go to the polls this year.
1: <laughs> it's the first time. Ah, uh, so you, you were you were concerned that uh, people were going to start uh, harassing you that you didn't vote.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I think a lot of people feel that way. There's so much social pressure uh, right now to do certain things and to comply, you know, that, uh, and I I don't know. And in the next couple of months, we'll see kind of what happens. I, my, um, my roommate, which, you know, I had a, I had a really successful business, so I didn't have to have a roommate (laughs) last year. Um, I was doing a lot of Airbnb stuff though. Uh, But my roommate's great. But he was telling me that, um, he had talked to somebody who's a friend of his in the government and they were like, you know, get ready. Cause you know, it's going to get, it's going to get pretty interesting, pretty wild. And in then, in the next, yeah, year.
1: I'm suspecting that as well, that, uh, we're, we're not even really sure which direction this is going to go.
0: Yeah. I think, um, I think it's definitely going to be a, <clears throat> a, a focus on, you know, like less travel more restrictions more being you know in, in though, though at
1: the same time I, I think i'm really seeing uh some more pushback that's a good so, thing and it is Um uh, my 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 office is in kentucky and my brother is there maintaining that office and his observation is, yeah, that there's this official like you're supposed to wear masks, you're supposed to do X, Y, and Z, but all of the people in the countryside are not obeying any of this. No. That they're, you know, living like my brother doesn't wear a mask. He only wore a mask one time in the last year. Because he had to get his driver's license renewed. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, I he told me a month before it happened, he said, I know exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to go in there. They're not going to let me in the building unless I have a mask. And then they're going to come in there. They're going to say, now take off your mask so you can take a picture. And he said, that's exactly what happened. Oh, my God. And he's like, I, he originally was like, I want to just tell him, no, I'll die if I take my mask off. I got to have my picture <laughs> with my mask on. He said, but he decided, nah, I'm not going to do that. I'll just, you know, he's defiant in every way, except that one time he needed to get his driver's license. And I told him, why don't you just not renew your driver's license?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Claim sovereign citizenship. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Unless you're like speeding or something, I ask him, how many times you've been pulled over? He said, never. I said, how many times are they going to be checking you for your driver's license? Right? Right. Non-compliance is a strength. Mm-hmm. It's not a weakness. Absolutely. And they can't, they can't enforce – enforcement's always the problem of law. You can pass all the laws in the world that you want, but if you can't enforce it, it's like it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to be thinking – I just had a management meeting this morning. I was like, you're going to have to be thinking, when do I really think it's to my benefit to comply, and when do I think it's not really to my benefit to comply? And we need, we're going to have to start having that conversation. Is like, well, you know, there's a point in which you shouldn't be complying because you might – not really your benefit to comply.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it's, it's going to be certainly, certainly interesting. And I, I, I emphasize a lot that people really need to focus on their own uh, inner voice, their own intuition, you know, and listen less to the noise that's scattered around us and, the you know, the, 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 be it in the cloak of information or news or media or current events or what have you, that, you know, I think on the inside of us, each and every one of us, uh, we, we know something you know, that uh, nobody else needs to educate us on. I don't know <laughs> what that is exactly. It might be different for different people. And I think that's, that's the case. I think that is part of like really opening up our own you know, expression and being um, self-actualized or,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: or what have you. Um, but I think that that's sh- shown true for you in your life and, and what you've started here with the Content Safe, I think it's I think it's brilliant. Um, can you talk thank a little? You. Yeah, all right. thank you because you're serving you're serving the people that were, you know, were kind of coming up and, and doing things, like, you know, being their own independent journalism uh, journalists, uh, sharing things that they are passionate about and believe in. And even if we disagree sometimes, I mean still people should have the ability to, to, to say what their opinion is, to speak there, the
1: truth. Seriously. There are sociological benefits in free speech, mm-hmm. and anyone who would want to suppress free speech either consciously or unconsciously is going to be creating a dynamic of aggression and violence in society. I, I think that that's fairly well established. You give people the opportunity to diffuse internal dissent or feeling by letting them express themselves. Hmm. Uh, I, I don't understand why anyone who would want to maintain, a, you know, a structured society or a, a hierarchical society would uh, be against free speech. Doesn't I'm make any sense. I don't either.
0: That's very well, mean, I, very well stated.
1: You know, I I could say that it's because they want us to blow up.
0: Right. Well, look at Russia. You know, I mean, it got to the point in Russia where I watched this documentary. I think it was on like BBC, but it's about normalization mm-hmm. about how you know at a certain point the people in Russia they didn't believe anything that was told to them by any authority because we're we're there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're there mm-hmm. we're we're there yeah uh i i i wonder and this is another point I like to make uh to content creators i I've been making this point to my kids for a decade um if you look at the record industry, how many fanny fan- you know, fanboys do you need to be a successful musician? Do you need ten million no. You don't really need that many. A person who's a musician doesn't even necessarily have to have a million to make a living off of it. I know guys from university days that ran a band, it was called Government Cheese. They were around for 20 years and they never really hit the big time and they they covered the bills and everything for over 20 years just playing gigs in kentucky tennessee you know that area they were really popular but they never got the big time cnn does not need to be in every airport necessarily to be out there making news the way i think this is going to go because i honestly don't think they're going to be able to keep the lid on the jar to be, to be honest, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that, that. right. <laughs> I, I I think that there's there is so much dissent underneath the covers right now that just depends on. I don't want it to go out into a negative way. I'd like to see it come out in a positive way, uh, and I think we can help it come out in a positive way. Uh, I think CNN is going to shrink down to a you know, probably less than a thousand people, organization, maybe less than five hundred. They'll have to improve the quality of what they're doing. They'll still be a propaganda engine, but they'll have to improve the way they do things. And they'll have to get slicker in their propaganda, which is to be honest, growing up, of course, maybe it was I did I wasn't aware of the things I'm aware of now. Maybe if I went back and looked at old news reports, I would go, oh, that was transparently obviously false. Mm-hmm. Right, but now, if I look at something, I'm like, "I can't hardly even that's why I block all the channels. I just can't stand to listen to it. It's like, "Oh, this is absolute garbage. This is not true, And it's completely either counterfactual or uh spun in such a way that uh, it, you know that uh, it's just disgustingly false.: <laughs>
0: It is, and I think it's an opportunity. And I think you're leading the charge to, you know, to, to use other methods and to build networks outside of the main, you know, stream network. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of people doing that, collaborating. And what you're providing is a way to sort of link these tribes, you know, through you know, distribution. And, uh, and I think we'll see that I think we already saw sort of the death a uh, first death of the mainstream media when YouTube really started first taking off, nobody was paying attention. You know, they couldn't compete, the 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 mainstream channels couldn't compete at first when the internet, you know, the early 2000s, even mid 2000s, and or 2010s, you know, there was so much going on just on YouTube alone. It's like, I, I don't, I, why do I need well, Netflix?
1: You know, if if you don't solve the critical problem that was preventing viewers from wanting to watch you, and you're just going to try to rehash the old, the old system, I mean, come on. How do you think that that's going to work? People are just going to either turn you off and find some other way to, to get material that they're interested in, right? Uh, I like to appeal to documentaries. I remember as a kid, I grew up watching documentaries, and I loved them. But then in the the 2000s, Discovery Channel started producing these docudramas, and they're terrible. (laughs) They're horrible. So one of the first things that I got into on the Internet was – colloquiums like uh where scientists talk about their discoveries that's actually the first video i ever watched uh it wasn't even youtube it was just downloaded from a web page uh and then getting into podcasts and then then finally 2012 getting into youtube and i'm like there's no turning back why why would you want to go back to crappy discovery channel docudramas i mean come on it's better just turn it off Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I want to see the real person in their dad's basement, (laughs) you know, who's like freaking out about the thing. I want to see the authenticity of that. I mean, if it's, you know, somebody who's in the conspiracy world or somebody who's just really curious about how to you know, make a makeshift rocket in their garage, whatever that is, you know, I want to see the real thing. I don't want to see this engineered fake crap, you know, like I've worked on reality TV shows and they are trash. There's nothing reality about (sighs) it, you know, it's just just people waiting around pretending that they're making decisions in real time when they're really being directed by the producers on what to do
1: right and i think that ultimately the audience won't digest whatever it's given because they've had the opportunity to taste something better so why would they why would they you know go back to that 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 doesn't make any sense
0: it it, it won't happen nobody's going to regress like they're just not they'll just they're they will they are they will not ever be satisfied um well, right. can you
1: imagine if they really wanted to shut this down? You think they'll take away everybody's cameras, too? <laughs> you know, I don't know about you, but whenever I was a kid, we used to make mixtapes and share them with our friends. Mm-hmm. This is like audio cassettes, right? right? Well, why couldn't people, if they were taken offline, why couldn't they make mix videos and share them with their friends? And that would be more entertaining than watching the crap that, we're, that they're showing to us. Absolutely. So yeah. what else you got for me today? Well,
0: no, that's, that's really about it. I just wanted to talk a little bit about you, uh, what, what you're doing with Content Safe, uh, tell you how, how cool and valuable I think it is. And I think a lot of people, um, if they can find my podcast, <laughs> they'll, they'll also think the same thing. Um, you know, My only other question is, what are some of these other alternative platforms? And then we'll close out with how people you know, who are interested in your service can
1: find more about, out about that. Well, you know, our website is contentsafe.co, and uh, you can reach us there. If you're a content creator, we have an onboarding or survey form that you can fill out, and we'll contact you and interview you further to see how we can help you. Uh, There's a plan. It keeps coming and then going and then coming and then going, but that's uh, deplatformed.co, which is a website. We're talking about launching our own podcast probably weekly, that we would interview people who have been deplatformed and try to bring attention to their content, as well as content safe as a service. So yeah, that's uh, that's how you can reach me. And I would also pitch uh, autonomy. I would suggest people look into autonomy. And also, man, I think you do a great job, Owen. And I want to help you out as much as I can. So if you ever need any help with redistribution, just come to us and let's talk.
0: Well, I'm going to make sure that we make that appointment ASAP as soon as possible. So, um, so yeah, I look forward to that. And, uh, and yeah, if, if folks have questions about it, I'm going to be continuing to communicate with Matt. And uh, hopefully, you know, if, if uh, you guys are interested in taking me on, I would absolutely ambassador of the brand. Um, but I, I do agree with you on autonomy as well, um, and I think that uh, there's a lot of really positive things that are happening now as we're getting sort of the clamp down on uh, on, on on us on YouTube. Uh, there's a lot of uh, people who are gathering and and creating new tribes and connecting outside the 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 general you know mainstream, and uh, you can't you can't stop the human spirit. It's just unquenchable. So.
1: I really appreciate
0: your time. Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for interviewing me, Owen, and I'm looking forward to talking to you more in the future. Awesome.
0: I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much, Matt.